Welcome to the Bonsai Wire podcast. I'm Jonas Dupuy, joined today with Michael Hagedorn and Bill Valvanis. And today we're going to talk with Bill about, well, whatever comes up. He was just telling us about the tokenoma display he has set up in his studio. I have it for autumn, and I've got a beautiful hawthorn full of kind of reddish-orange fruit. The scroll facing the tokenoma is of a bluebird and persimmons. Ah. And for the accessory, I have a grass, dwarf Yakushima grass. And it's sitting on a jita of bamboo. But there's two things wrong with that image. One, there's fruit on the token in the hawthorn, and there's fruit in the scroll. So I can easily take the scroll off, and I have one with Japanese maples pointing. Right. Or you can the take second, the fruit off the tree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. And the second thing is the grass. It's the right size and height texture. However, it's sitting on a jita, a bamboo. That's summer. Mm, that's summer. So I that's right. So I have a wood yeah. one to go there. Yeah. Good. I was also going to ask about the bluebird. Is it a young bluebird with its orange plumage or an older bluebird with a blue? That would be another uh, seasonal yeah. faux pas. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, years ago when, when Suzuki came to the exhibition, my symposium, he criticized me in my tokonoma display. I had an American larch oh. and a water stone next to it. He said, oh. this is bad. He says, larch don't grow near water. <laughs> wrong environment. Oh. <laughs> I collected it in the on the beach. <laughs> oh wow. Oh. So he yeah. wasn't exactly yeah. on track with that one. Well in Japan they don't grow near water. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. They're mountains. It's interesting you would even know that though, because they hardly ever use large. I mean I think I saw, you know, one or two my whole Yeah, there's not there. many. No, no, there really aren't. My gosh. Well, you will you will love it. Uh, the best comment I ever heard from a display from a Japanese person visiting an American display is Akio Kondo was at a local Bay Area show. And um, someone was looking at, I think there was a, a shrimp on the scroll. And he kept looking up at the shrimp and down at the tree and up at the shrimp and down at the tree. And his sole comment was flying shrimp. And then he just, and then he just moved along. That was all he said. He said, okay, flying shrimp, next display. What else you I guys got, got? I got called up, called up by Japanese. I had a scroll and the painting was a maple and a fish. And he said, that fish isn't native to where the main tree is. <laughs> Love it. Depends on the depth of your perception and understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> How have you found it goes to teach display versus other parts of bonsai? Because it's just such a different thing in so many ways. Hmm. It's different. I, I enjoy doing it. Um, in my garage, I got four tokenoma areas set up. And for Saturday, I'll have winter, spring, summer, and autumn. All different. Ah. And the first one is the hmm. winter. I have a pine, of course. But with the pine, you don't know what season it is. So you can indicate seasonality by the scroll, if you use the scroll, or the accessory. Hmm. So I have a scroll of a uh, Snowfall. Mm. It could be spring in Rochester too. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's a little. So that's yeah. what I'm going to do right, right, on right. Saturday. Oh, cool. And Where I have big, yeah. Huh? Oh, go, go ahead. I have a big open house on Saturday, and one of my programs is um, how to display bonsai with kusumono. So I'm going to set it up 
for this Saturday and refine it for next Saturday. Tweak it. So you're going to so build in mistakes or are you going to hope that people have <laughs> quizzes? Yeah. Maybe. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. I have everything here. Yeah. So, so Bill, you must have, uh, you must have first encountered display, I'm guessing here, when you studied with Murata? Was, yes. Was that your first exposure? Because he yes. was really deeply in display, wasn't he? Yeah. He spent, the, dis the displays uh, I saw of his yeah. uh, wouldn't mm -hmm. be considered acceptable today. Mm. In what way? I got a picture of a cryptomeria and the scroll mm. is cryptomeria, both formal <laughs> upright. And next to wow. it, next is, is a huge stone. Oh, you're kidding. Now, you have to realize there's many different reasons for displaying. To share the beauty of your tree for a celebration, for season, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a guest. This might have been the owner of the the scroll or the uh, tree. So there's many mm. different reasons. I don't know why he displayed it that way. Wow. But his other displays were beautiful. Mm. Mm. And didn't he build a, a tea house, uh, a Tokonoma yes. area? Of, it took him like five years to complete it. He was very particular. Yes, he has the, a, uh, the first house to display bonsai in Japan. The only the one. first house? Yep. Oh. Wow. For display. He had several Tokonoma. And oh usually it was closed off. Uh, sometimes it was open. Now, when Murata passed away, his son took over. But the whole garden was reduced tremendously. So they took that building apart and Sudo purchased it and oh. rebuilt it. And when it was the uh, Takagi Museum up in uh, where he lived. Toshiba. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, so it's gosh. still there. And I've saw it several times visiting him. It's yeah. all restored. It's beautiful. Yeah. So what uh, what year were you there? Late first 16th? time I went to Japan, 1970. 70. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I stopped oh, counting about 10 years ago when I hit 50 trips. Yeah. <laughs> One year I went five times. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't go now. No. Right. Uh, U.S. is prohibited. Right. Right. So there's no Taikon 10. There's no mm -hmm. Sakofuten. They just announced a date for Kokofuten with the condition that if they have to close because of the museum, they will. Ah. But if they don't hold Kokofuten, it's going to be bad business for the Japanese bonsai community. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah, one mm -hmm. of the biggest income. But of course, I don't think the Chinese can come. Well, that's what happened last year at Kokofu. They were not enjoying Kokofu right. as much last year, or this, this year, I should say, yeah. as they were previous years. It was kind of, I remember the opening day of Kokofu was kind of a ghost town, and the professionals were concerned. It got better after a few days, but it was rough because there were fewer international visitors. Right. Mm -hmm. I only had a tour of, I think, six or seven people. Oh. Uh, they liked my tours in Japan. During Kokofu Ten, uh, one year my my uh, mm -hmm. uh, participants spent over fifty grand just in the Green Club. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Purchasing new things. Oh my gosh! How how for how long have you been doing the, the tours? Was uh, when when did you start? I mean, the tours. 
Yeah. Probably 76. Oh, but, very early. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. oh I had with, no idea. With Cora, I think it's been 15, yeah. 15 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Cora, usually we have two a year. Hokufu 10 and Taikon 10. Yeah. Oh, my word. I imagine you have collected a few stories over the years during these tours of wacky hijinks breaking out. Yeah. <laughs> right. But give us a, a story or two of when something really went wrong. This was, uh, uh, Jonas gets the credit for this question. We were talking early about it. <laughs> I, got the, I got the wrong date for visiting Omiya. We didn't have oh, no. a bus. So Moimai, very quickly, hired a van and picked us up. Now, another year, I made reservations everywhere. So we're at Kobayashi's, and I always have the master call ahead. So he called uh, Kimura. I'm not going to be here today. We already had a reservation. So we went a day early to visit Kimura. It cost 300 bucks to change a bus. Now, the day we wanted to visit Kimura, they had the largest snowfall in 40 years. Uh, you were there, Michael. Oh my Remember? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I think I got trapped uh, in Nagano. <laughs> yeah. So we got up there. For a few days. And if we would have yeah. gone the day we were supposed to, it would have been snowed out. I was trying to, I was trying to leave. And <laughs> the... Um, the um, the train station was just packed full of people. All you could see were heads. There was no room to even move. Everybody was trying to get on trains. There were, trains were scarce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I sat on the train for an hour. Everything, everything. Was yeah, it was Mark crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Mark. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh. they had snowblowers in Nagano. In yes, Wayno, yes. they were using dust pans to move the. <laughs> oh gosh! Holy cow! And that was ready for that. a few years ago. Yeah. The yeah. other storm, I was also in Japan 40 years ago when they had a big snowstorm. Kokufu mm. yeah. time. Well, did you catch the Kokufu storm just a few years ago when it snowed three feet in one day in Tokyo? Right. I went to every Kokufu 10 for well, so 20, if you, 30 years. And so if you were at, I just wondered if you were there on that day, you must have been in town because I remember I was in Sendai that day trying to catch a train and I learned what fun trains are when there's a lot of snow, but it snowed about three feet and apparently they were just loving it in the green club that day because for some it reason sucks. there weren't a lot of shoppers looking at the trees underneath three feet of snow. No, they were inside. They weren't outside. The outside vendors <laughs> didn't like it. No, they were not too happy. Yeah. But it all melted Gosh. that day, so it came back the very next day. That was just two or three years ago, not not sure. too long ago. <laughs> so, so Bill, I want to ask you uh, uh, for a repeat of a story that I heard years ago, and that's of the kidnapping. This was with okay. uh, with Chase, Chase right? Okay. Um, I was with Chase Rosade and Lynn Porter. We went to uh, <laughs> visit Chase's teacher, Mr. Yoshida, oh, yeah. and we, we got there. All we have is our camera bags. He took us. He kidnapped us for three days. We had no <laughs> idea where we were going. So we called Chase's mother-in-law who spoke English. She said, well, he wants to show you something. It'll be okay. He took us to Shikoku Island. He took <laughs> us to meet Mr. Um, Ueda, one best, biggest private collector. We had a great time. He had no idea where we were going. <laughs> I didn't yeah, realize yeah. it was three days. Yeah, <laughs> oh three days. He put us up in hotels. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> and usually we always have 
an unexpected surprise on my tour. Uh, one year we're going to Morimai. Sean was there ahead of time. He calls me and says, Bill, get over here quick. So we got there quick. We got off the bus. Morimai says, get back on the bus. We're going to see the, the mayor of Hanyu. So we get to the mayor's office and all the city employees are standing outside bowing as we walk in. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and they, there's always an exhibit. One year we had, uh, we're going to a temple and a tour guide, we had a tour guide there, we don't know, was walking, explaining, and I said, oh, look at the chrysanthemum bonsai over there on the right. Everybody went to the right. The tour guide was by herself. <laughs> That's when we had a tour guide. Once we had to, we fired our tour guide. His name was Yuji too, because I spoke more Japanese and he spoke English. Oh. Yeah. So we don't use tour guides, just for gardens now. I remember getting to come along with one of the bonuses on one of your trips when during the Taikon 10, we uh, swooped away to the, uh, I think it's the Ginkgo Kai show. The show that's held in a temple not too far away, concurrent with Taikon oh, 10. Genkoku Kai. That was a fantastic exhibit. Yeah, it's a private exhibit of Morimai's customers or study group. Um, going back 1970, 71 or 72, 71. I was free. So I go and I watch this guy all day, watch this guy all day. So I kept going back to Monsayan, Mr. Saburo Kato. Mm -hmm. May I watch you today? Yes. May I watch you today? Yes. May I watch you? No. I said, okay, thank you very much. And I turned around as I was leaving, Hatsuji Kato was there. <laughs> and Hatsuji said, Bill, where are you going? He's, I said, your father said, I can't watch too. I can't watch you more. Oh, you watch too hard. <laughs> <laughs> But we, but we were still friends. I mean, right. I edited his book and everything. So, uh, the the forest book. Yes. Oh, wonderful! That is a classic and one of my favorite bonsai books. Right. I love that book. Right. Love it. Love it. Were you weren't by any chance involved in the four seasons of bonsai, were you? No. Okay. No. The, Another one of my. Did favorites. you see uh, Fine Bonsai, the big book, the coffee yes. table book? Yeah. yeah. The photographer just died last year, just found out. Dr. Ah. Jonathan Singer. No, but that was interesting. He was quite a character. We walk into Kimura's garden and Kimura said, this tree is good to photograph, this tree is good to photograph. Jonathan didn't want those trees, he picked other trees. I said, Kimura said, that tree is good. Now I want to photograph this one. So he was quite a character. He had an $80,000 uh, 100 megapixel camera. So you got the best trees in the world, you know, two, $300,000 tree. He walks over, he takes one shot. If I can't get in one shot, it's not worth it. <laughs> that was his philosophy. Good gracious. No yeah. bracketing, nothing, huh? No. Just, just go for it. Thank God for Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, but, but he didn't know that the publisher adjusted all the photographs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. I can tell you now, Scott, he, he's not with us. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. So how many publications have you made? You've, you have so many achievements, and, and publishing is just one of the things I want to talk about with you. But The first um, book was... He's done several. Bonsai oh, Design Creation. Oh, oh, Bonsai okay. Design Creation, first one. 75. Okay. 76 was the Pine Book. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I didn't know you had one. Ed Sims published it. We couldn't sell it hmm. for 10 bucks. 
You know how much wow. it is now? Oh, yeah, it's valuable. I remember. Six, six fifty. <laughs> oh, I'll keep mine. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, if I need to sell it. <laughs> wow. And then I worked on, uh, we have six U.S. National Exhibition books. Yeah. My book, big book for 50 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it came out of $50. I, just, I saw it on Amazon. $1,025. Whoa. What? Yeah. Keep, <laughs> keep, keep that one, too. And then I helped with fine bonsai. I did all the text. The text yeah. is the best thing in the book, better than the photograph. There's a lot of research in the, for the information on those masterpiece trees. You won't find anywhere. I compiled mm. it from diff several different sources. Had some mm. translated. And then what mm. else? Um, mm. I was the editor for Saburo Katsu's book on forests. Mm. When I had yeah. my 30th anniversary on bonsai, I had a black and white paperback album. When at 40 years, I had a color paperback album. And now 50 mm. years, I had the big one. Mm. 60 years is coming up. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but that's in two years. Well, I'm what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> this is my 58th year in bonsai. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not many people can say that in Japan. No, no. <laughs> no. Holy cow. Wow. All right. Gosh, so and then and then uh, it, including um, uh, the magazine then in, in your publications. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. You've you've okay the magazine for many years. Many, many magazine years. International Bonsai. Yeah. Um, I started with Yoshimura forty two years ago. Oh yeah. And right now I'm finishing up issue one hundred and sixty three. Oh, it's the first and only uh, English language professional bonsai magazine. There aren't any others. Those are all the society publications. This is the only professional one. Mm. And then um, a couple years ago, the U.S. National Arboretum honored me by inducting me into the U.S. Hall of Fame, Bonsai Hall of Fame. Mm. Now, I think mm -hmm. 1987. I'm only the third one. The first two are dead. Yuji mm. and John Naka. I thought you had to be dead to be inducted, but I guess not. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> Belated congratulations. Thanks. You didn't get the memo. Let's keep that memo out of yeah. touch. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then two years ago, I was the first Westerner to judge a Japanese bonsai exhibition. That was cool no. when I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I helped judge Taikon 10. Yeah. And then last year, they said, oh, you're a permanent judge. So last year, oh. I judged again. And Harold Lanner from Germany also helped with the judging. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the judges didn't even know, know too much about bonsai. They were artists and famous huh. people. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. They have those two different rounds of judging kind of at uh, Taikon 10 and that final slate of judges is not yeah. all bonsai people. Mm -hmm. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. Then last year also, um, the Omiya Bonsai Art Museum honored Yoshimura. It took them 70 years to give him credit for what he did for wow. introducing bonsai. Yeah. So they had a big exhibit. Mm -hmm. All, almost 90% of it's my stuff and it's still there. They can't get it to me because you can't ship packages to the U.S. So I sent oh. a lot of stuff there and they invited me to give a, a lecture on Yoshimura. Oh. And his two daughters, his granddaughter, and one of his brothers was there. And I showed a slide of Yoshimura family uh, Yuji was about eight or nine years old. Mm. And there was a little baby. 
And his brother said, his brother's 80 years old, said, that's me. That's my picture. Mm. So it was interesting. Mm. So Yuji was one of your inspirations, right? Um, yeah, he was my your, main, main yeah. teachers. Mm -hmm. About, about mm -hmm. 30 years with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he lived a bit south. Where, where was he? Pennsylvania? No, outside no. of New York City. Oh, New York West, City. Oh, okay. yeah, Westchester County. He originally uh, came in 59 for the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. As oh, that's a right. Fellowship. Yes. I even yes. have his ticket on a boat. And oh he said, I met this interesting lady. I've got all the notes. I've got all his library. And then uh, he enjoyed it. He went back to Japan and he moved here. Once he got established here, he sent for his wife and two daughters. Gosh. And then he started a nursery. Yeah. How long was the fellowship? Was it like a year or something? Or? I think six months. Six months? Okay. Yeah. My and the reason they got it is because John Creech, uh, former director of National oh, yeah. Group, went to his yep. nursery and saw yep. that he spoke English mm. and saw what he was doing. He was the first person to offer uh, bonsai classes for the public, mm. 1952. In Japan? Yeah. Oh, the first person? Yep. Yuji Yoshimura. Oh they weren't gosh. offered to the public. Really? Only apprentices. Interesting. My gosh. Yeah. So Creech saw that. Yeah. And uh, did he vouch for him for the yes. Brooklyn? He recommended Interesting. him. Interesting. To, uh, I didn't know that history. My gosh. Dr. Avery was a director for many, many years. Oh, yes. So I... he, and then uh, there are some of Yuji's trees there. Some of his trees are at the Longwood Gardens, too. Mm-hmm. Did the collection grow uh, while Yuji was there? Was that part of his? Well, he was only about six months. There? Yeah. Uh, he trained Frank Okamura. Frank Okamura was a oh, Japanese yeah. gardener there. So Yuji trained him, and all yeah. of a sudden, Frank Okamura is a big bonsai master. Oh, and he, yeah. he, uh, he really expanded the bonsai area. Mm -hmm. Frank Okamura. Mm -hmm. He did a good job. Yeah, I have a newspaper clipping, an obituary of, of Okamura. Yeah. Remember yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. He was primarily That's a guard. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, so other than Yuji, um, do you have, uh, has, has there been anyone else who's um, really inspired you? Uh, in your work? Yuji first. And then when mm -hmm. I went to Japan, I went to study with Murata, Kyuza Murata. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to the Japanese bonsai community. He took me around, mm -hmm. sent me, gave me letters to go around. Mm -hmm. And then he went back to school, graduated. And then I went back to Japan and I did a formal apprenticeship with uh, Kakutaro Komuro. And mm -hmm. he also studied with Hamano. And Hamano was uh, Shinji Suzuki's teacher and Mr. Kimura's teacher. In fact, my garden was just on the block from Hamano's and across the street from uh, Takayama's. Gosh. Is that, that's not there anymore, is it? No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think his wife, he divorced. And there mm -hmm. is a Shoton, but it's just a little shop. There's not much there. It's in a different place, part of Omiya. Mm -hmm. But the other main inspiration is Takayama and his father. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Forest yeah, and deciduous great, trees. Sure, your great love of deciduous. Yeah, yeah. sure. And, and one of the nicer gardens in Japan. Yeah. Yes. Right. Very colorful. So, were you able to visit there and, and watch as you did at, at Kato's? Yes. Oh, wonderful. But oh my gosh, what an education. Primarily, had. primarily <laughs> it was uh, his father 
Fusazo uh-huh. Takayama. Yeah. Oh. Hiroshi is still a young youngster. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And were they welcoming to you? They let me watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't ask many questions, but I watched a lot. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, a did you have kind of a, a, a soft spot for deciduous back then or, or were you still just learning everything? I was learning everything. Direction? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And around here, northeast, we don't have many collected trees unless you go further mm-hmm. north to collect larch. Right. So I use mostly deciduous mm-hmm. trees because that's what's around here. Right. And most of my trees are creative and cultivated bonsai, not mm-hmm. collected trees. Hot grown trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Collected trees, you have to make a lot of design compromises because of what you started with. But it's when you start trees point. from cuttings or seedlings or air layers, there's really no reason not to have a perfect tree. It takes longer. <laughs> it's hard. It takes longer, but I'm glad I did it when I was younger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, think, I think actually a lot of people don't realize how really hard it is to, to create a really good tree from nothing. Um, right. I think, I think that's sidelined. And you can't um, hide yeah. anything with deciduous trees. Right. Ooh. Everything's exposed. That's right. It's not it's like pretty, a juniper or a pine. Naked. You can yeah. move a branch over here. And mm-hmm. You can't do that to deciduous trees. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to show them in the winter. And, yeah. yeah. Did you, uh, so it's true you can't collect many conifers in your area. Did, did you ever collect any of the, uh, the, the, the cow or deer browsed apples, pears, hawthorns? Did you, no. did you get into any of that? No, you I didn't do any to, of that. Okay. No, I went to Canada. I collected larch. Yeah. Larch. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Way, way up north uh-huh. along the stream. So I have several of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know when I visited your garden, that was what impressed me more than anything is you see the trees in pictures, but then when you get to the garden in person, you think, wow, you made these trees over many, many decades. And you can just see just, again, decades worth of decisions that went into creating these things. And it's really, really impressive. And the history of 100 trees is in my 50th anniversary book. Which is I've a got fantastic a, book. I've got a picture of a Shishigashira maple, like a two-year graft, pencil size. <laughs> I throw it away now. I wouldn't bother with it. But I kept it. I didn't know any better. And now it's a pretty good tree. <laughs> okay. This is a good segue for a question I had, which, um, which is that um, what, what would you wish you had done years ago, knowing what you know now? Started more trees. And okay. Don't force, you can only go so far for a tree. You push it too much, you're going to kill it. Yeah. But I also mm-hmm. learned, like for drastic pruning, some people do it a little this year, a little next year, and go to the third time and it dies. I've learned that with the drastic pruning, especially with the maple, cut the whole thing off at once. Don't play around. If it's going to die, let it die now, not after five or 10 years. I've wasted. Mm. I, I remember watching you give a presentation once and one line really struck me, which was to shock it once. Yes. And, and I, I really, uh, I, I took that to heart. That was years ago. Boy, that was back when I was probably studying ceramics and that downstate and I would come up to Rochester to your meetings. And I think you, I heard you, you speak used to come to once. my garden to look at the pots. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you were one of the first people to buy my pots. Yeah. I still have several. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. 
no, you were a great support to me back then. That was a, that was an unknown land I was entering. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up down in Ithaca, so we weren't all that far away, although I, I was, uh, was just sort of piddling around with bonsai on my own for many years when I was a teenager. And uh, You grew up in Ithaca? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, we moved there when I was about 10. It was 1977. I remember that clearly because that was the year that, um, that Star Wars came out. <laughs> I don't remember walking out of this theater and, and it felt like the whole world had changed. <laughs> so many, many things that were changing. And five years later, I would discover bonsai, but I hadn't quite discovered you yet and your garden up there. That, would have, that took me a little bit longer. I was teaching it in 77. Yeah. Were you, were you was, at Cornell? I was teaching at the plantations. Oh, at the plantations, the Cornell plantations. Oh my yeah, gosh. I was teaching- teaching class there all day sure, for advanced sure. and then uh, beginners for several oh my years. gosh and you got a, you got a horticultural degree out of um, ornamental horticulture from the ag school there the cornell cornell Cal- yeah and also yeah. one from uh state university of new york agriculture mm. college farming so i got two horticultural degrees oh well, i didn't know that so i got yeah. the background yeah right right and did the you, part did of the you back- always, did, I'm sorry, did you always have an interest in art as well? So what, did horticulture come first or, or were you curious well, about art? Horticulture came first. Okay. Yeah. Now my mother was a yeah. award-winning rose and tuberous begonia grower. Huh. I remember, Michael, years ago, living in Illinois, early 60s, we had a bad winter and it killed all my mother's roses. So my Ooh. father went out and bought all new roses, rose gardens cost him $75. I said, how can you spend $75 for plants? Who would spend $75 for plants? <laughs> now, 50 years later, look at me. <laughs> it, it always seemed to me that you had an innate, innate sense for business um, and, and that, and that you, 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 you hit the ground running when you were young. Am I, am I right about that? Did, did yeah. you, do you feel like you had a, an innate sense for for how to do that. Yeah, because I needed money to, yeah. go, to do more bonsai. <laughs> then I needed money to live. Yeah. Then yeah. I needed money for yeah. raise two kids. Yeah, yeah, right. I was always impressed about the stories of your very early days when you were literally getting driven around to visit all the garden clubs up and down the Eastern seaboard to teach people yeah. about bonsai. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll come lecture, but you got to pick me up. <laughs> I didn't have a car. I was what, 16, 17? I didn't have a car. Didn't have a license. 16, 17, you started teaching? Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was getting I rides. My, I started my business. Unbelievable. In, I think 66. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. The House of Bonsai. Oh yeah. In Illinois. And then uh, we moved to. <laughs> West Virginia and expanded the business. When I went to Japan, when Yuji introduced me to Japan about 1978, yeah, 1978, I was at school in Long Island and I go up to him and study on weekends. Then I became the editor of the New York Bonsai Magazine, the Bonsai Bulletin. It's one of the oldest English language magazine at that time. So I did that for a year and it was an awful lot of work. And I went to Japan, came back and said, okay, I'm starting over, so I started my magazine. That's how that started. You know how the National Exhibition started? 
Do oh, tell. the story. Okay. There's a lot of beautiful bonsai in Europe. Years ago, they were mostly imported trees. The Europeans weren't making trees, but now they are. And there are several comments about the Americans. We have no good trees. Well, we do have good trees. So I said, okay, let's have a show to show good trees. So I tried to organize a national exhibition and I was warned, you'll never succeed. America is too big of a country. The mm. only reason the um, mm. Europeans can do it is because like the size of California, very small, they can transport trees. So I was warned not to do it. And then I was warned from the Canadians, Bill, you should have looked higher. In other words, I should have included Canada with it. But then I couldn't call it the US National Exhibition. So I tried it and it worked. And now uh, eight, 10 years later, we're still doing it. But the National Exhibition, I did it. I wanna show trees, it's not about the artist. I wanna highlight trees. If the trees in America, I'd like to show it. If you go to Japan and buy uh, Kimura's famous dancing dragon and get it over here, I'll let you exhibit it. It's about the trees, not about the people. And that's what the main purpose. But now it's evolved that the U.S. National Bonsai Exhibition is good for the bonsai business. People have to good, good, get good trees, so they'll go collect trees. Then you have to take them to someone like you to help fix them. Okay, now they need a pot. So they got to contact Ron Lang to have a custom pot made. Then they got to use wire. So they'll contact Jim Gremmel or uh, Julian Adams to buy wire. Okay, now I need a table. So they got to contact Sean or David Niddle to buy a table. All right, you got this tree, time to get it ready. So take, you take it to Bjorn and he'll fix it up and he'll bring it, set it up and take it back. So all these things are good for the commercial bonsai uh, industry here in America. Yeah, yeah. We, it's just evolved. We felt the effects. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is, and what are the effects then on the visitors to the show or the people who end up seeing the pictures? Hmm. Oh, they like the trees. They want to have a tree in there. Everybody wants to have a tree in the national exhibition. So they try to make good trees better and better. And a lot of them are. Very few trees have been uh, repeated in the national exhibition. The last exhibition, we had like 120 species and varieties. Wow. 120. That's ridiculous. It I is. mean, that, that's it twice is. as many as Japan. Yeah. Oh, they don't. Not, or yeah. more. To more. Three times. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And you've had a broad diversity in each exhibit. And I know you keep track of how many total species you've shown. And that's always yes. been a great criteria in that mm. the, there's a strong, encouraging undercurrent to get as many different species as possible in there. Also, I'm trying to encourage more um, rock plantings. Oh, yeah. Because, mm -hmm. and cascades. Because if you have all the trees the same level, it's kind of monotonous. You got to have a rock planting the cascade. So uh, when we select trees, we get extra points to the uh, cascades, unusual varieties, and um, different species. Do you have things uh, in mind that you haven't tried yet uh, for the national? Anything you want to bring into it or, or hopes for, for its development? Yes, this year, well, we had planned. The exhibition has not been canceled, it's just been postponed a year. Right. And we're having a right. Kusamono exhibit. Young Choi is gonna include that. It's gonna be near the uh, Suisei. Excellent. 
that's great. to get that art form in. We, in the beginning, we used to have Ikebana demonstrations. Mm. And we still have mm -hmm. Suiseki demonstrations or programs and container demonstrations. Now we're going to go to Kusamono to expand it so more people can enjoy it and see there's more to bonsai than a tree in a pot. And the great American bonsai community just wants to make trees. Most of them don't care if the pot is Chinese or Japanese or American or European. They just want the pot. And we're trying to raise the level of bonsai, raise the appreciation for bonsai. That's what I'm trying to do. Do you yeah. think it's because we're just not there yet? Yeah, but we're getting there. Yep. We're getting there. I mean, even for display, they'll take a tree, just bring it to the show. Well, I don't have a table. <laughs> well, so we're trying to, we got criticized that the Sean Smith and Arthur and Jim Doyle and a couple others had a stone exhibition, stone appreciation show every two years in Harris, Harris, Harrisburg. We invited Matsu Uda one year. He came in and he criticized us because our tables weren't all antique. Hey, we're lucky to have tables. Forget about yeah. the antique. <laughs> yeah. The Japanese don't realize we're starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of momentum to build. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You've been such a big part of that. And, and just uh, out of curiosity, do you have... Out of all these achievements that we've been talking about over this really long productive career, do you have do you have something that that is really close to you um, that you that you that you like the most of the of the things that you've done? The national exhibition and the magazine. Those are the things you're proud most proud of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got Great. nice trees too. Nice yeah. trees, but you got to realize yeah. Yeah. it's a living thing. It's going to die sometime. And my yeah. job is to act like a curator, to keep it alive and healthy in the same general shape for as long as possible. Hmm. But pests and disease come, certain trees are short-lived, all of a sudden branches die in Shimpaku, even in Japan, whole sections mm -hmm. of them die. And you mm -hmm. got to redesign, so you have to go with the flow. Yeah. So um, I'm most proud of the magazine and the U.S. National Exhibition. Hmm. Hmm. And, and are those the things that you hear the most about from the public, from the community? Are they, they the ones that you, you feel are the most appreciated as well? Yes, uh, but I can reach more people with the magazine. Mm. And now my blog is becoming yeah. quite popular. Nice. Especially mm -hmm. when I go traveling. It's not as popular as yours, Jonas. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know uh, about Jonas that. Jonas got a great one. <laughs> yeah, yours is more educational. And uh, I just put things up which interest me. And I point people to it all the time, especially around uh, showtimes in Japan, because you tend to have the best and definitely the most timely reports of whatever's being shown in the big events in Japan. Well, in the past, they would allow me to photograph Kokofu 10. And sometimes I created it early, sometimes at the end. And that's at the time you couldn't take any photographs. And once when you, a woman complained, I had permission, but a woman complained to uh, Nakamura she didn't like hearing the click of my camera. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know it was not that many years ago when to take pictures, I would need to get the uh, 
armband, armband. the photo. And, um, and even then, every single security guard would stop me and a number of customers would stop me. So yeah, same thing. And you turn, you pick face and then you see that, oh, okay. Yep, you show them the badge, you speak to them in Japanese and, and then it, it eases them a little bit. <laughs> Last year at Taikon 10, I gave, I think one or two, two tours in English of the uh, exhibition. There are a lot of foreigners there. So they advertised it, not too much, but they advertised some. And they had maybe 40, 50 people follow me. And I just talked about the trees, gave a little critique, explained the exhibits, which people didn't know, certain highlights about a table or past owner or the species or why it's displayed this way. And it was pretty interesting. That's cool. I was looking forward to it again, but not this year. That's, I know, one of the parts that's the hardest to transmit are the specific histories of the trees or the displays or the people putting these things together because right. anyone can learn the skills, anyone can go and identify and speak intelligently about the trees, but there's that whole cultural aspect of it, which is just much harder to pass on without that direct experience. A lot of people, most people aren't interested in that. That's right. But I am, so that's what I'm trying to teach. Like display. Um, I'm not bored with bonsai, but I want to share trees. And the way you share them is you take it out of your garden, clean it up, put it in the area with a plain background and mm -hmm. to show it. It doesn't have to be Japanese. It doesn't have to have a scroll, just a plain background. But then if you want to tell a story and in, uh, indicate seasonality, then you got to add some other elements, like a pine yeah. tree, no seasonality. So if I want to show winter, I'll put a, a, a black viewing stone there or some dried out grasses mm -hmm. or ferns. Now I'm trying to figure out what to use for spring for my Zoom on Saturday. I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. Did you say spring? Are you? Spring. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a, a spring, a summer, season. autumn, and winter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a maple, and it was beautiful where I had it in the shade. And I moved it to the sun, the leaves got burned. Oh. So I was going to cut all the leaves off the maple and have a winter. winter. But I can teach more using a pine tree. <laughs> because you have to indicate seasonality yes. with the accessory. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. If, if you were to choose just one tree. Yeah. 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 Right. So that's what I'm working on. Right. Uh, I'm about half done. And then in right. the, in my studio on the big long bench where we work, have classes, I got one, two, about 10 trees in the stone display. Mm. And, and then in the garage of four areas, I have an outdoor tokenoma. My friend just built me a beautiful table. It's, in fact, it can go in an exhibit. It's that good. But wow. it's made out of a cedar, and it's stained, weatherproofed. And I'll have another exhibit out there. And then we're going to do a Zoom garden, a garden walk. So I'm looking forward to it. That's great. It's the oh, first time I'm giving a Zoom presentation. That's great from my computer showing one of my programs. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. We'll see if it works. Yeah, it's great technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, super. When I started, there was no technology. You had to do it with books right. and magazines. Right. Now there's blogs and there's uh, <laughs> online courses. The whole world is changing.
Well, yeah, and yeah. on that topic, you talked about um, between your tours, the running the nursery, doing the show, doing the books, doing the magazine, you'd mentioned you're called out the national exhibit in the magazine. I'm curious, where would you like to see more investment in general in U.S. bonsai going forward? Where would you want to see all of us putting more energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, creating beautiful bonsai. Improving the design. And that only comes, and with refinement, that comes with age. I mean, uh, a new generation of people have come from Japan, Americans have gone to Japan, they come back, and they're starting from nothing. So the best way to make a name for yourself and to make money is to get a big old collected tree, heavy trunk tree, because you can manipulate that and create something in a few years and you have something to look at. Um, but it looks to me like America is becoming overrun with uh, old collected junipers, Rocky Mountain junipers. And that's because that's what the younger generation can do easy. And it takes fast. time. Yeah. It takes time to uh, generate deciduous trees. We're fast and, becoming a country with many holes mm -hmm. in the ground out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there's plenty to select from. Yes. And they're doing a good job with them. But it comes, becomes monotonous yeah. to walk into a bonsai garden and see all heavy trunk dead wood trees but that's, again, that's a cool thing about having the show where it is for the national exhibit is because you're surrounded by so much deciduous material and that's such a focus back there it's a great way to inject or force so much of that deciduous material into the national conversation well i try to have a, a balance i want some big old heavy trunk trees for diversity and also to bring in california artists and Pacific Northwest artists like you and Ryan. Um, we need trees like that. Okay, I think we're gonna take a quick break here and hear from one of our sponsors. Be right back. Do you ever return home from a long trip to the store to find your bonsai wilted beyond repair? Do your trees not look as green as they should? Have your accent plants never looked as nice as the ones you see on Instagram? Maybe it's time to try dihydrogen monoxide. Dihydrogen monoxide is proven to increase the uptake of nutrients, help reduce stress, keep your plants hydrated longer, and much more. You might not know that professionals around the world use dihydrogen monoxide multiple times a day to keep their trees looking best. It is a largely an unknown secret that we at Bonsai Wire are bringing into the light. We're excited to announce an exclusive partnership with the makers of dihydrogen monoxide. Every bottle sold off of our website comes with a money-back guarantee. If your trees do not look better, stronger, and happier within hours of using our product, we'll send your money back, no questions asked. Don't delay. Go to bonsaiwire.com products and enter the code WIRE to receive a free bottle for a friend with every purchase while supplies last. Again, that's bonsaiwire.com products. Enter the code WIRE. Thank you for your support. Okay, I think we're back. Let's jump right into the show. And you mentioned wanting to see more good, beautiful trees. Have you worked with growers much over the years? That seems to be one place where we've got a lot of work to do. Um, no, not really. I mean, I've got five acres here and I had a whole bunch of trees in the ground, but just can't handle it. I think mm. I've got three full-time jobs, teaching, mm. publishing the magazine and operating my nursery, my garden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a struggle to jug juggle all three. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had an apprentice, Bill? Yes. 
former apprentice, uh, mm-hmm. Corin Tomlinson. Corin, I remember oh, Corin. Wow. That was quite a while ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah, was 16, right. 16 years old when he came. Huh. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. How long was he with you? About two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he came, then he went to go visit Chase for a week. And yeah. I think Jim Doyle. Yeah. Then he went to Brussels. So he goes from England to Atlanta, then from Atlanta to Memphis. Well, he only had a one-way ticket. So oh. immigrant, what are you doing here? Well, I'll get a ticket. Where are you going to go? Brussels Bone Center. So they called Brussels. Do you know this guy, Mr. Tomlinson? Oh, yeah, he's come to work for me for a week. Well, they took him by gun back to England, deported him. What? Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. Oh. So I still needed oh. him. He wasn't done yet. Oh. So Nicholas was just born. In fact, Nicholas was born when Corn was here. So we drove up to Toronto. We flew him to Toronto. And we picked him up. And I had Nicholas sleeping in the back seat and Corn <laughs> sleeping in the back seat. So we get to the border, Niagara Falls. <laughs> Were your kids born in the U.S.? I said, yeah. So we got across oh, no. the border. <laughs> oh now, gosh. interesting. He was born in a bonsai world. with Harry Tomlinson. Right. Harry never taught him how to wire. Huh. Never, I had to teach him how to wire. Uh-huh. Now, you think I taught him with aluminum, sissy wire, or copper? <laughs> sissy wire? <laughs> no. No. Because everybody uses sissy wire in Europe. But if I were to teach him it's sissy wire, and someone, he's a professional bonsai artist, not, someone gives him copper, it's going to be a little difficult learning curve. So I taught him with copper. Mm-hmm. While he was here, I got a catalog. There was an American in Japan selling bonsai. And the catalog says, if you want your tree wired, it's $10 a foot. So we're trying to figure out a foot in height or a foot of length. Okay, so I had a big cascade pine tree, about four feet. I said, okay, Corn, measure the wire for that tree. The wire comes in 54 coils, so it's easy for him to measure. So he wired it. Meantime, Yoshimura was checking up on Yuji, on Corin. So Yuji says, what do you have Corin doing today? I said, he's wiring the tree. We want to see how much wire it takes. Hey, Yuji, how much wire do you think it'll take to wire that pine tree? He knew the tree. What do you think Yuji said? In pounds or in feet? He knew both. He knew both. <laughs> I said, no, 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 feet. He said, 200 feet of wire. He could, it took Corin 200 feet, 220 feet of wire. <laughs> wow. Amazing. He knew. He knew. Amazing. So, I mean, Corn was a formal apprentice because he went mm-hmm. to horticulture school in England. And part mm-hmm. of the training, he had to do an apprenticeship in a nursery. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to come here. So he made application to a study in America in a family owned bonsai nursery. I went to Ohio State University. I said, I'm looking for an apprentice, someone to study with me, bonsai. So they matched us together, and that's how he got him formally. Oh. He got for, yeah, he oh got formal gosh. credit for this. Wow, he had to write a diary. Uh-huh. And, uh, I remember that. You published it, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, in the magazine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Do you still avoid teaching uh, sissy wire technique? <laughs> I use sissy wire all the time to tie down trees <laughs> outside. I don't want to be called a sissy, so I only teach people using galvanized steel wire. 
Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you leave it in there so it's nice and rust. It disappears. You don't need to take it off. It just rusts right. away over time. <laughs> no, they've only been wiring for about 70 years in Japan. Yeah, it's a modern yeah, technique. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it revolutionized bonsai in Japan because yeah. now yeah. you can take a tree and form a beautiful shape right yeah. rather than finding one. Right. That limited Bill, the early collectors. Yeah. Do, do you know who started it? Was there a, a particular person who, who I don't brought think. that to bonsai? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'd never, never heard. Yeah. In China, they were using mm. horse hair and, you know, wire, uh, string, mm. and coconut fiber to change trees. Then he started mm. using weights and rocks. Yeah, but weights you know, and tying down branches was the main one. Yeah, but you can get it down, but you can't make any curves laterally. Right, right. So wire is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one time Kimura said, I can wire three trees and buy new Mercedes-Benz <laughs> by wiring three trees. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. <laughs> Once I bubbles down. Yeah, that was, yeah, right, right. In fact, That's I have a picture. I'm gonna show it. Uh, when you go to Kimura's, Kimura's most famous in Japan for wiring. And mm -hmm. um, I got a sign in Japanese and we had a, a guide there and the guide said, oh, look, it says, Please don't ask me to wire your trees for Kokofu 10. I'm too busy. So he had a sign at his nursery to say that. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Oh my gosh. One thing I've been curious about, since I know you have a good perspective on this, is do you personally have a big interest in styling, bonsai style, the way you uh, kind of approach trees? Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe put another way got, or how do you approach uh, bonsai styling when you're creating a tree okay uh, I've been trained and I've studied classical bonsai art classical bonsai art was first described and the guidelines in 1829 in a book and it had figures in trees and it had taboo branches crossing branches opposite branching uh, up and down branching and it says if you follow these rules and if you avoid these taboo branches, you can't go wrong in designing a bonsai. But classical bonsai is a very quiet type of bonsai. And it's a refined, mm. idealized nature, not naturalized, idealized. So when I have a forest, I don't have uh, evergreen deciduous and rocks and everything, which is fine, that's no problem. That's more naturalistic. But I take one aspect of it, one part of the forest, and try to show the beauty and the refined beauty of just several trees or a group of trees. Um, mm. So I don't do naturalistic bonsai. I do classical mm. bonsai. And there's yep. an artistic bonsai too, like with old collected trees. And that's very popular. And so you talk about that 1829 book, that would be the one that has, mm -hmm. I think the flawed branches were on one page and just a page or two later is that kind of two-dimensional classic pine bonsai drawing where right, you yeah. have the coarse to fine techniques where the curves get smaller, the branches get smaller, right. the yeah. diameters right. get thinner. And, and internodes get smaller. Branches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you apply? Would you apply that uh, label of classical bonsai to any of the work being done in Japan these days? Yes, mostly mm. des mostly deciduous trees. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. but a lot of what you see in Japan, 
are uh, evergreens, like shimpaku and pines, mostly shimpaku, because they can be collected. You do realize that most of the shimpaku bones they see in Japan are all grafted. They yeah. change all the foliage. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can put a branch right where you want it. That's why mm -hmm. they're so good. Now it takes horticultural skill to graft the branch where you want it, but it also takes an artistic uh, aspect to know where you want it. Just don't, don't put it anywhere. I went to a big flower show in, in Philadelphia. It was a great big maple. And the owner was so proud that he grafted a branch on the tree right in the front. And if anybody looks at the tree, that's the first branch you'd cut off. But he was so proud of it because he accomplished it. And that's the important thing with bonsai, I think. You have to like what you're doing. Mm. Uh, if you don't like it, don't, don't do it. <laughs> do Mac? No, really. There's yeah. no bonsai police. No one's yeah. going to stop and stop say, Michael, you got an opposite branch here. If you like it, fine. God bless you. That's the important thing. You're not part of the club anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Either God bless you or bless your heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I know people who move bonsai 20 and 30 years and they love it and do it in their backyard. Mm. Never seen any other trees. Mm. And they're doing the same mistake over and over again. But they enjoy mm. it. And the trees have a certain charm. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. There's a word in Japanese, agedness in a container. And you can't mm. fake that. Mm. No, no, you can't. The uh, old collected trees in America and in Japan too. Especially Juniper. They don't show the agedness in the container. Which word is that? Mochigomi. Ah, mochigomi. Yep. Yeah. Agedness in a container. You well, can't you, fake age. No. You can try. Right, you can try. <laughs> years a lot ago. Of tools out there for that. <laughs> well, years ago, uh, uh, Kimura was just getting started. I went to go visit him with Chase Rosade. And uh, he said, look at this wood. This is beautiful. He said, yes. He says, they put it in a magazine. He said, man could never do this. Only nature. He said, I did this with this tool. <laughs> so Chase said, look at the tools. He said, how hard is it? He said, it'll cut, you know, tempanyaki, um, where they cook at your table? Mm -hmm. The, the, the mm -hmm. metal grill. He said, mm -hmm. it'll, it'll slice that. So Chase says, what if you get your hand away? Oh, it'll blow your hand off. And that's what he was using, air. Not, I don't think he was using sand, just air. Just carved those beautiful uh, rings in our trees. So he, he knew what he wanted. And he used collected trees and he just refined them and created beautiful works of art. So you made a really good point when you were talking about your approach to styling and you said uh, the classical approach formed the core of that, but then you said you're making idealized trees. And so how do you describe if not just taking nature as your models, what are the models that lead to the whole idealized portion of bonsai? Mm -hmm. Considering the elements of, of art, balance, rhythm, color, using those and applying them to the bonsai. Not necessarily natural. Like, uh, you know what a pine tree shape is? Informal upright, alternating branches. They call that pine tree shape. Well, I've got maples, all different species like that. 
You don't grow like that in nature, but as an art form, it's beautiful. Something and I know like that's there. lost on a lot of people is that pine tree shade pine, has nothing pine. to do with how pines grow in nature. And I right. think it's one of the bigger misunderstandings about how and why that's we style true. things the way we do. <laughs> Some people call them broccoli. Especially uh, <laughs> on junipers, yeah. Yeah, junipers or, or green helmet. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. You take any tree with the shape mm-hmm. and you put some green foliage on. Right. You got a bonsai. <laughs> Do you think the U.S. has a bonsai style or styles? Mm, yeah. No. Good no. question. No? What do you think's getting in the way of American, that? I've been asked what American, I don't know what American bonsai is. Mm. I know bonsai is in America, made by Americans. Um, Years ago, Kin, Kinbon did an article on National Exhibition, and it said there's no difference between the quality of bonsai here and in Japan. It's the same. Mm. I mean, a lot of the trees National Exhibition could go in Kokofuten, mm-hmm. and Kokofuten trees can come here. It's the art. Some people are mm. trying to be different, which is okay. They're trying to for, show their natural scenes like in the Appalachians or the Rocky Mountains. And that's fine. That's naturalistic bonsai. That's good. People should enjoy this. So do you think, uh, uh, let's just talk outside of the United States. So other, other places, other countries, some, you know, Southeast Asia, so places like that seem to have kind of distinctive styles. Is, is that, um, do, do you think that's, because of the species they're using, or is that, uh, is that because they found a different way with the tree? Well, in um, Asia, uh, mm-hmm. generally, the trees grow much quicker. Right. In Indonesia, they yeah. never stop growing. Mm-hmm. And second, I think, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps their uh, culture. There's a lot of bo- uh, bones that you're pinching coming out of China now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason is, they started this art form. Japan, adopted it, changed it, changed the name, made it Japanese style. And Chinese style has been lost. But now in the past 10, 15 years, the Chinese government, they want the recognition that they started this. That's a so big it's, push. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that happen. There's a lot yeah. of propaganda out there. And look, they got magazines, they got big it's exhibits. It's really interesting to watch. Yeah, Tens of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. First day, you can't get mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Second day, you can run a bowling ball. It's right through it's that empty. Yeah, wow. more than once I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I saw a presentation in Taiwan. Um, yeah. From um, from someone uh, from from China, and it was uh, it was like a national campaign speech. It was really interesting. I was there um, with you. Yeah. Oh, you remember that speech? Yeah, <laughs> it was really really amazing. <laughs> That was the um, governor of Taiwan, I, I think. I had never heard President. anything like it. Yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting. Um, now they have big opening ceremonies with mm-hmm. lion dances and taiko drums. That was crazy. Yeah, that event was insane. But that's, that's, that's our culture. <laughs> that's yeah. our culture. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It was very flamboyant. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Nice change. Yes. Very yes. unusual species. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I've often felt that has a, a big role in, in, in just where they go aesthetically. Just the you know the shininess of the leaves and all that stuff. You just don't see that in Japan, for instance, which you know went in a very different direction with their aesthetics. In Australia, um, 
-hmm. They're getting away from introduced species in a landscape, like Japanese maples and yews and stuff, and changing more to Australian native trees, which are more adapted to their climate, especially out west where it's hot and dry. So I see in most countries, like what Japan did, they use the native material. I mean, if the Japanese were here, everybody would have a Scots pine and a Rocky Mountain juniper. And that's what the Japanese would want. But just the opposite. Do you think there's some untapped species or, or areas, um, deciduous trees maybe? Um, it seems like the conifers have been, uh, have been pretty, uh, pretty uh, closely investigated. But do you think there's some, there's some room to, to, to explore here in the United States? Oh, sure. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, bald cypress. That's mm -hmm. deciduous. I've seen some nice, very nice beach, um, buttonwoods. Mm -hmm. Then you got trop all the tropical trees in Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. But each uh, mm. large deciduous. Mm-hmm. So fantastic, yeah. large. Yeah. Especially collected yeah. in Canada. How about shrubs? Can you think of anything that, that you think has been kind of passed over? I've been, I like hydrangeas. I got a couple of hydrangea bonsai. Hmm. Um, I like unusual tree. I got three different species of hydrangeas. Hmm. Uh, what else? Vines, wisteria. Hmm. You can collect Chinese wisteria, which has gone wild in the Southeast. It's a pest. You can collect hmm. some nice wisterias, hmm. um, crepe myrtle. That's mm -hmm. a small tree. Yeah. Azaleas, of course. Rhododendrons. Mm -hmm. Mountain laurel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But one tree which I haven't seen too much is, uh, I've tried it, redbud. They're beautiful in spring. Oh, they're wonderful. Yeah. But I, I've discovered they don't like to live in containers. Is that what it is? Uh, that's what I've discovered. Maybe other people have, but I've, mm -hmm. I think I haven't. Yeah, I mean, curious why we haven't seen more because they have the small leaves, the beautiful flowers, and just right. beautiful growth habits. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. have studies, uh, peeping, dwarf, purple foliage. So there's mm. many different species. Little mm. Twist is one of them. Mm. Um, there's a cherry, Kojo no Mai, also called Little Twist. It's a tall shrub, and I've been using that for like, that I like that. That works. Hmm. What else, American? Um, there's a nice click of hawthorns mm -hmm. down south yep. and around here. Mm -hmm. You have to look and see what, what you have. But mm -hmm. I'd rather start it from scratch. Mm -hmm. You're a patient man. <laughs> I've been around a long time. That's good. <laughs> Ooh, that actually reminds me of a good question, um, at least the one that I deal with all the time is, depending on the approach, the techniques for developing a bonsai from scratch don't always overlap with the techniques of working on refined trees. And I'm curious, how have you navigated that while teaching bonsai all over? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. There's not too many trees which require refined shape yet. 
they're still being developed. And there are different techniques. You want quick growth, you want slow growth. I'll take, um, after you sift the soil, you get dust. I'll throw dust in, dust in certain trees to slow down the growth. <laughs> um, yeah, but I've seen a lot. I mean, I've been active, active in the bone community almost 60 years. So I've seen a lot of stuff come and go. A lot of people come and go. Uh, trends change. Yeah. What trends yeah, what, have you been seeing yeah. lately? Right. Mostly old collected junipers. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's a what's a trend from long ago that you don't see anymore? Uh, plants uh, or style? Smaller smaller sizes. Oh. Um, yep. Most think people were like 10, 12, 15 inches. That's the uh -huh. size of bone size. But now people want to impress people. So they use big trees, which are more impressive with the heavy trunk. And a lot of those unfortunately just don't have the design. Mm -hmm. So the size has changed tremendously. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, the species have changed. When I started bonsai, there's no such thing as indoor bonsai. It didn't exist. Mm -hmm. But now with the opening of Florida and the introduction of tropical and subtropical trees, you uh, there's a lot of big indoor bonsai. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just don't have an outdoor space. Mm -hmm. so they have to cultivate them indoors. Yeah, it's really hard to bring along quality um, at, at scale, um, at right. big scale. There's, you know, I've, I've done a fair amount of tramping around in the wild and some collecting of my own of conifers out, out west here in the Rockies and and one thing that I've noticed is that there's an awful lot of large uh, trees in the in the pockets and the rocky breaks and all that that would, you know, be collectible, um, and and many people collect them. But the, it's it's hard to find sort of the proportion that it's, you know all that. What's really rare is finding what you just said this 12 to 15 inch tree that is yeah. really really good. That is incredibly rare. You now, do not find those very much. Both you guys grow and teach bonsai. I found it takes longer to do a smaller tree than a larger tree. You can knock out a big two, three, foot, three, three or four foot tree a couple of years. Looks halfway mm. decent. But the smaller trees, you have less to work with. Mm. So each leaf counts. Have you guys, do you think which takes uh, more time, a larger tree or a smaller tree? Mm. I think getting it into initial focus is faster on a big tree because you often do have more to work with and you're going to be less picky about maybe the size of the branches you're moving around as opposed to a small tree where it would really stand out if you're working with awkward sized branches. Yeah. I often wondered if it's sort of energy. You've just got so much more energy to work with if you have a bigger, bigger plant, bigger uh, fluid uh, systems. Um, but, um, but, you're right. You don't see an awful lot of refined, uh, modest-sized trees. It's uh, there are many out there. I've discovered and learned that um, it's easier for me to teach someone who's been an architect or artist background rather than a horticulturist or a gardener. The gardener just wants to keep the tree alive. <laughs> they, um, or keep them too strong. I've noticed that. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. People transplant your trees every year because it fills the pot, which is well. You're doing something. 
Yeah. <laughs> change. Change is slowly a growing thing. Because right. It's not right. Unless it's crepe myrtle or weep, weeping willow or something. Right. Right. A very active root system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I what about that? Oh, go ahead. I've got a lot of pot, pot bound trees. Mm. Want to keep the trees small, especially the accent plants. Mm -hmm. And I use saucers of water all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my grasses are in water. Got hydrangeas in water, um, mm. porcelain in water, wisteria, of course. But if mm -hmm. it wilts, and I don't want to change the pot, I'll, I'll put it in a saucer of water in the summer. Mm -hmm. I found that helps quite a bit. And this is just like a half inch of water just coming up a little bit on the bottom? Yeah, maybe a little bit deeper. A little deeper? Okay. I got, I got a crab apple, and it's about an inch and a half of water. Hmm. And it still wilts. Oh, it's wow. It's loaded with fruit. Sitting water still wilts. Or um, mulberries, dwarf mulberries. Oh, yeah. Certain trees like a lot of moisture. Yeah. And your eye grows. Uh, I can tell if a tree needs water like 20 feet away by the way the trees hold onto their leaves and the angle of the leaf mm. with a color. And that takes time to uh, develop. Mm. I'm sure you guys can tell. Some are very obvious, some are tricky. Like wisteria will let mm. you know from across the garden if right. they <laughs> need just a tiny bit of water. The leaves curl up that little bit. Right, right, right. And a weaker maple, a Japanese maple, the leaf will be pointing directly down. Right. Mm -hmm. Might not be water, but weakness. Weakness will do it. When it becomes crispy, you better do something. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, what do you want everyone out there listening to be working mm -hmm. on? What do you want to see more of as you keep more shows coming out mm -hmm. and as you keep traveling all over the world? I'd like to see more refined bonsai of different, different species, not just a juniper and Japanese maple and black pine. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see more mm -hmm. Western pines. Mm -hmm. Maybe They're Bristol beautiful. cone. Maybe mm -hmm. Bristol cone. Mm, that's a neat a lot tree. of people are growing mm -hmm. those. People are very interested in growing bristle cone. I've discovered that it's got two problems. The white resin pustules look like mm -hmm. scale. And they do. The <laughs> very confusing. <laughs> and I mm -hmm. tried bristle cone pine 20, 30 years ago. I found you can wire it. Looks good. You take the wire off. It doesn't hold the shape. Nope. <laughs> like cedar. Very flexible. Yeah. <laughs> Used to snow. Well, yeah. Cedar doesn't do that? Oh, cedar similar to that. What cedar? Oh, uh, the true cedars, the cedrus oh, like, family. Okay, cedrus. Mm. Yeah, they do Very hold bends after a while, but the young shoots, you can wire them, and after two years, you take it off, and it'll bounce back. Yeah. Um, I like the redwoods out west, coast mm -hmm. redwoods. Mm -hmm. They're developing very nice. What shape do you want to see redwoods? Yes. Should redwoods look like that. <laughs> should redwoods look like redwoods? Should they look like bonsai? Should they look like the quote pine shape? What do you want to see in redwood bonsai? Because okay. I think about this a lot. What limits <laughs> what limits the shaping is your creativity and the growth habits. Mm -hmm. If all the new shoots grow straight up, you better try to work with that. Or like um Procommons nana juniper. It's a creeping shrub. You're fighting it to make it 
upright, but you can mm -hmm. do it. But the new shoots will always hang down a little and be horizontal. So you have to realize and understand the growth characteristics. Uh, I would treat juniper, uh, redwoods like a juniper. Juniper has no shape. That's where you can do it any shape you want. There's no typical shape for juniper. So you can do it any shape. That's why it's so popular. Azaleas too. Right, right. You just get but to I pick like, our models, yeah. Yeah, I like the redwoods in all, all different shapes. Mm. I do too. I think one of the most inspirational I've seen is the one up at the uh, Pacific Museum. Right. That's How a, would you guys feel like train. a cascade uh, coast redwood? Would it look funny to you? I wouldn't want to maintain it, but yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested to see it. <laughs> I think if it was really dense and really full, that would be probably the best example of just making it look like a bonsai because it's definitely not what comes to mind if we're taking our cues of how they grow. It doesn't mean that they're not out right. there, but right. I think if they were developed with really dense foliage and really tiny internodes, and we just had this full cascading shape, I think it'd be a really striking tree. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, just to jump off what you're saying there, it, um, it, it feels like it would be a, an alien uh, yeah situation for a redwood to be growing in a cascade i mean you, you just don't think of that it, it yeah it would be it, you'd think oh it's a you or it's, you know, it's something and then you get closer like, it's a redwood i no, mean no. It, that would be the weird thing i think you guys know what alberta spruce is yep yeah how about a cascade alberta spruce it's another weird one yeah <laughs> yeah they mm. have a poor memory too mm. yeah mm. that's true mm -hmm. yeah right <laughs> Yeah, but everybody, have. everybody has it. Everybody starts with it. Good for forests. I understand. Right. You gotta get out of your system. <laughs> but such an evocative shape. Anything outside of that's going to make you think twice. Right. Mm -hmm. It's going to look very strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I tell people is, I don't really care what they make it look like, but I want them to have kind of a story behind why it looks the way it does. You do know you did this different right. than everyone else, right? So they're like, right, oh, really? Right. It's like, oh no, that's fine. Just. Tell us why you're doing it differently. Right, like right. Yeah, if you think of, uh, you know, another forestry, since we're talking about redwood and everything else feels a little weird, although you could do it, it, it might be a little strange. But how about azo spruce? I mean, it's also a forest tree. And yet um, a semi-cascade doesn't look wrong for that. And I think the, the reason we might sense that it isn't wrong is because it's snow load. It's, it's all based on where they grow. They get a lot of snow, whereas a redwood isn't inundated with snow. It's just a different totally different environment, regardless of like terrain. So we're not talking about cliffs or anything here. We're just talking about what's coming out of the sky. So there's, um, there's another feature. Maybe because like those cascade as those spruce, it comes from a collected tree. And that's the basic form from nature and manages right. refining it and putting pads right. of foliage around it. Right. Now, if there were maybe on a coast, a coast redwood hanging off a cliff, an old collected tree, mm -hmm. then I would go with that. Then I don't, I don't think it would look mm -hmm. too strange. That'd be a rare tree to find though, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in so many parts of the coast, redwoods are just inland. And so you, up right. north you see a lot more on the coast, but often they're just one range in, at least, you know, in my part of California. Right, they're not on the edge like the Monterey Cypress or. 
something yeah. like that. That's... Yeah, up north. But Monterey Cypress is another great example. Mm-hmm. I now want to see a cascade Monterey Cypress. Yeah, I've seen them in the wild because they're right on the edge of the cliff that's being eroded, and then they're starting to fall over. <laughs> it's an amazing plant. Uh, and what's yeah, funny I is see the, them as too. <laughs> probably the greatest challenge with both of those species is they grow so fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monterey Cypress? Yeah, Monterey Cypress, Mendocino Cypress, Coast Redwood, those are fast growing and fast rooting trees. Mm-hmm. How about Don Redwood? Don Redwoods are also <laughs> weeds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had right. some Don Redwoods. <laughs> I can't I have trouble growing it, so I gave it to my friend. They're six feet tall already in two years. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> now, a cool. cascade uh, Don Redwood, would you, uh, I'm going to do one. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. yeah. Send us a photo. All right. But it's funny, that's also bringing up larch, which has a very characteristic form in nature, but we all feel comfortable putting larch in any different shape. Well, you find them like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, in the forest, they're straight up or in bogs. But if you go to Canada, along the lake and in the mountains, you'll find old contorted specimens, gorgeous specimens. Now I could do is pick a line and fill in the foliage. And that brings in, that opens up the space for that idealized part of your styling. Right. right. But you can, you can do that and ruin the tree too. You can feel <laughs> like an old collective tree with the character. And, oh, this branch is crossing. I better take it and then you ruin the tree. Mm. You, you can go too far. Mm. Well, my cat's, my cat's in a token only eating the grass. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> 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 Zeus. Where's Zeus? <laughs> Zeus. <laughs> yeah. So that's who Zeus answers to. That's great. Yeah. Great. Huh. Do you find uh, this is a little bit of a offbeat question, but do, do you find inspiration uh, in bonsai uh, from sources that are outside of bonsai? So I don't know what. Uh, I know what you mean. Writing or, or music or anything of that nature. I get most mm. of my inspiration from the bonsai exhibits in Japan. Mm. I see different things with different species. And, oh, that would look good. That would look good with this. So I get inspired from Japanese exhibitions. Mm. That's why I try, I try to attend as many as I can. Yeah. I see good things and I see things I don't like. Yeah. Do you find the stylistic palette from Japanese shows to be narrow or broad versus your own artistic approaches? Mine is very similar, which is very narrow. Uh There's certain forms which I like. And that's what I try to do. I can appreciate other ones. It just doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. I've got one collected Rocky Mountain Juniper. And I don't like it. (laughs) <laughs> so it's still hanging on it's not like cat pee oh. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah your cat appreciates it zeus likes it no zeus is on another i have next to token oh my god you know how cone chlora uh, yeah, no. Japanese, Japanese, you know, Japanese forest grass. 
Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Okay. I forgot the name of it in Japanese. You should know it, Michael. I should. Yeah. yeah sorry, I've got the some name is garden. You got some? Okay. All right. You got to send me a photo later. My name brain is gone. It's a, it's a, it's a common grass uh, displayed uh, in Japan in the summer. Horizontal, uh, usually variegated leaf. Ah. Ah. Oh, yes. Fuchu uh, saw? No. I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> Our Othmar works with a lot of these and I love them. Yeah, yeah maybe Fuchu saw. Yeah. 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 But she was eating, eating one of those. And that, that oh. comes in green, <laughs> green, white variegated, yellow variegated. Yellow. Gold, yeah. Golden. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know of. Yeah, that we know of. <laughs> there might be more. <laughs> right. Might be a Yatsubusa form. <laughs> That's a common uh, nursery species. I see them in uh, just retail garden centers around here all over yeah. the place. It's called Japanese forest grass. Yeah. Haconiclora yeah. macra. Yeah. Well, Bill, um, do you have any, any final words to send us off with? No, I'd like to thank you for uh, inviting okay. me, share some nice, good talk with somebody. Great. Yeah. That's a good. bummer we can't all be there in person since this is the time of year when it's usually uh, New York weather for us. And so, yeah, so it's yeah. really, that's, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to catch up when we did. Yeah. And we, I think we want to probably launch this episode right around the time that you're going to have your show. This is kind of a leap year for so many things. So, um, Bonsai Empire, right Oscar's compiled, he does the uh, mm -hmm. National Exhibition, puts a video together. Mm -hmm. He's going to compile them and release them on the opening day of the, when the national exhibition was supposed to be. Oh, so it's a, it's a virtual show. Yeah. Excellent. 11th or 12th next week, he's gonna release it. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right. Oh, super. Maybe we'll launch this then too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great, so people can hear you talk. Awesome. It was fantastic. To, it was great to catch up with you today. Thank yeah. you very much. Enjoy your day and I appreciate your calling. Thanks, Thanks. Bill. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue. I caught one of your, uh, I think it was on Facebook or something, and it was really cool when you had uh, an actual camera person and you got to just show everybody your garden. Oh, uh, was that the one with my zipper open? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. I did, I did the video. And my did the fly video, was right. open. So now my friends say, better make sure your zipper's up.